Love you. And who's next? I don't know. Rachel. All right. You're welcome. Good morning, friends. It's so lovely to be with all of you this morning. If you don't know me, my name's Rachel. I'm a pastor here. And if we haven't met, I would love to meet you. I'm so grateful that you guys chose to spend time with us here this morning, and I'm glad that I get to share with you this morning. And I'm also going to sit down because I'm now in my third trimester. <laughs> and man, this fatigue, like nobody warned me. Nobody warned me that it was going to be back and worse than at the beginning. And I'm pretty sure my um, acid reflux and nausea is coming back too. So we're having a wonderful time. Just a wonderful time. And uh, before we get started, I actually wanted to share a pregnancy story with you guys because I had a McDonald's breakfast sandwich this morning and it reminded me of this, this weak moment in my pregnancy. Um, I mean, I'm a pretty emotional person like anyways. I think if you know me any amount of time, you know that. <laughs> So about a month ago, my hormones haven't been that crazy though. Like I just cried the normal amount that I usually do. But a few months ago, we were on a road trip to North Carolina for the conference, the national conference. And I was so excited to get my McDonald's breakfast sandwich. It has to be the sausage McGriddle. Cannot be the sausage McMuffin with the cheese on it, no. It's gotta be the McGriddle. And I was so excited to get the sandwich. You know, I mean in pregnancy, like, Eating isn't really that fun. So, you know, when you look forward to something, you really look forward to it. Anyways, my husband, Luis, got his little uh, burrito things that he likes to get, and he likes the salsa on it. So I was like, I'm going to be a good wife, and I'm going to feed him first before I eat my sandwich. And so he's driving along with his little burrito. I'm opening up the salsa packets, putting it on for him, getting increasingly more hungry and annoyed because I really want to eat my sandwich. And then he finishes his food, and I open my sandwich, and you know what they gave me? The freaking sausage McMuffin with cheese on it. <laughs> it's just not the same, okay? It's not the same. And I was so mad that I threw the sandwich on the ground in the car. I was so mad, so mad. And then... I was so mad because I was still hungry, so I picked the sandwich back up off the ground and eat it. And I was still fuming, like, you know, you know, still kind of mad. And then I think Luis is like both trying to not laugh at me and also like not try to stir up these emotions that I had. And then he like cautiously asked me how I was. And then I just, tears. I was like hyperventilating, crying because of this freaking sandwich. And, and you want to know something? We were in the middle of nowhere, so I was like, you know what? There's probably not going to be another McDonald's. I'm just going to eat the sandwich. It's going to be fine. There was another McDonald's at like the next exit. There were like three consecutive exits with McDonald's. And he was like, do you want me to go get your, your sandwich? I was like, no, I already ate the sandwich. So, and then later, he was very kind to me and told me that he didn't want to laugh at me he truly did not want to laugh. The thing that made him laugh was the fact that I picked the sandwich back off the ground and ate it anyways. <laughs> so the joys of pregnancy, that's that. <laughs> so I had a lot, I had a really long message written, but I'm gonna cut it back a little bit and 
Today I wanted to spend some time, some contemplative time together, some reflective time together. Um, we are in Matthew 13, 53 through 14, 21. It's a really big section with three stories in it. It's a story of Jesus being rejected at Nazareth, um, the story of the death of John the Baptist, and Jesus feeding the 5,000. Sorry. Um, so I just wanted to spend some time with these stories in a contemplative way. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to jump right into the scripture with the stories, and then we can move forward. I wanted to make sure we had plenty of time to do that together. So let's pray first, and then we'll get started. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are with us today. God, we thank you for this space that we get to come together every week, um, the space of love, the space that you meet us. I just ask that you meet us today within the scripture and within this contemplative time we're going to spend together. In your name, amen. Like I said, this is Matthew 13, 53 through 14, 21. The first story is Jesus rejected at Nazareth. I'm really burpy today, I'm sorry. And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. This is the death of John the Baptist. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. This is Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fishes. And he said, Bring them here to me. 
Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the word of God. <clears throat> so, something that we're seeing a lot of from Jesus is his desire to go and be in a desolate place after a lot of things happen, to get away and be with God. And in this, I feel that Jesus modeled in an amazing way healthy attachment to God and to his friends. He regularly spent time in silence and solitude with God while also sharing his burdens in community with his closest, most trusted friends, even though a lot of the times they didn't understand him or understand the things that he was doing or the things that he was teaching, um, Jesus took that risk of being misunderstood within his closest community. And I feel like a lot of us shy away from that. <laughs> I know for me, the most hurtful thing in my life personally is if somebody is making assumptions about my character or about my actions. And I have this like deep innate desire to be understood in all that I do, which I feel like most of us do. Let's be honest, most of us have that feeling within us. But for me, that's like, to my core, I want to be good so bad <laughs> that that's one of my biggest things is I want to be understood. And so I really admire Jesus and his uh, risks of being misunderstood. And he's a great example to me for that. Um, and Jesus also shared the burden of his death through communion with his friends. He modeled what it was like to have self-compassion and self-care within grief and his engagement with suffering. I can imagine that the fully God side of Jesus uh, was deeply connected with the Father and was able to differentiate like, who he knew himself to be in communion with God and what other people were believing about him. And I also imagine that the fully human side of him was battling with a lot of feelings of being deeply misunderstood within this. So in, in this story, in these passages of Matthew, we see these three really big themes. We see Jesus' rejection. We see Jesus experiencing major grief and loss with the death of John the Baptist. And we see Jesus having compassion while also filling a tangible need for a massive group of people. It was crazy to me when I learned that it wasn't just 5,000 people, that the 5,000 people were just the men of the families. And thinking about just how massive these groups actually must have been when adding in the wives and the children and everything. That was just astonishing to me when I learned that. So... I feel like this reflects this filling a tangible need for these huge, massive groups of people um, reflects both the need of a group of people and the abundance that Jesus has to offer to them. So today, I just wanted to take some time to have a reflection time together on these three different themes that we see in our own lives in many different ways in many different seasons, which are the theme of rejection, the theme of grief and loss, and the theme of need and abundance in our life. 
I believe that God is always inviting us into formational healing and spiritual disciplines. And this is out of a place of compassion, not out of a place of us trying to strive harder, which a lot of us take on when we think about spiritual disciplines. Um, but Jesus is always inviting us out of compassion and a desire to show us love. So as we move into this reflective space, I just want to invite you guys to um, come into the presence of God however you are coming into this space today. You don't have to try to be a certain way or show up a certain way for this. <laughs> just show up exactly as you are today. Um, and after we take this moment of silence together, I want you to also feel free to engage in it in any way that feels safe to you or welcoming to you. Um, that could be closing your eyes and listening or taking out your phone and taking notes during this time. So just want you to be able to show up as you are. So let's take a second to take a deep breath and check in with ourselves and how we're coming into this space. The first theme that we're going to focus on is rejection. Lord, is there an area of my life where I feel rejected or misunderstood? God, I, I surrender whatever feelings that rejection and being misunderstood lead me to. And I ask you, what do you have to say to me in this space and within these emotions? Lord, as I accept your love and compassion for me, how can I grow in love and compassion for myself? Psalm 94, 14 says, For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. Now I have a liturgy to share with you. My whole life I've searched 
for a love to satisfy the deepest longings within me to be known, treasured, and wholly accepted. When you created me, Lord, your very first thought of me made your heart explode with a love that set you in pursuit of me. Your love for me was so great that you, the God of the whole universe, went on a personal quest to woo me, adore me, and finally grab hold of me with the whisper, I will never let you go. Lord, I release my grip on all the things I was holding on to, preventing me from returning your passionate embrace. I want nothing to hold me but you. So with breathless wonder, I give you all my faith, all my hope, and all my love. I lay down my need to understand why things happen the way they do. I lay down my fears about others walking away and taking their love with them. I lay down my desire to prove my worth. I lay down my resistance to fully trust your thoughts, your ways, and your plans. I lay down being so self-consumed in an attempt to protect myself. I lay down my anger, unforgiveness, and stubborn ways that beg me to build walls when I sense hints of rejection. And as I walk away, my soul feels safe, held, and truly free to finally be me. Amen. Now we're going to move into a space to think about grief and loss. And if this is too heavy for you, you also don't have to engage in it. I just want you to know that. It's okay if you don't. Um, but we're going to move into that space now. Lord, where am I experiencing grief in my life? And where am I experiencing loss? I surrender my sadness and grief to you, God, as I ask, what do you have to say to me in this space of loss and grief? And how do you see me in my grief and my loss? Am I any less able to connect with you, God, because of things that have happened to me?
Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Father, we pause and hold unashamed space for these days beset with disappointments we could not see coming and reminders of what could have been. O loving maker, restore our belief that you redeem what is lost, but also that our grief is safe with you, and that lamenting is not a waste of our precious time. O Christ, you do not scorn our disappointment, but rather remind us that you are a God who is enrobed in human flesh and has felt salt run down your own divine face. Oh, how glorious, how wonderful to have a Savior who understands. Hope deferred makes our hearts sick, so we ask that you remind us, O oh, sweetest friend, that what we grieve, the canceled event, the health of a loved one or ourselves, the paused relationship, the postponed trip, the end of a project that stirred our hearts, was never the source of our hope to begin with. You say we are blessed when we mourn, for we shall be comforted. Come near and be our deepest consolation now. Tend to our grief-stricken hearts and lead us into the warmth of your relief, the tenderness of your word, the marrow-deep peace of your presence, the greater intimacy we can enjoy with our suffering Savior. We mourn for the loss and death of our good dreams, O Creator, and ask that you resurrect them, if your gracious will allows. But for now, we look toward the day when every tear will be gone, and we meet you, the one in whom all our hope resides. Amen. And lastly, um, I want to create a space for us to think about both of our needs, the needs that we have in our life, and the abundance that we also have in our life. Lord, you see my need, and you see what I have in abundance. I surrender both my need and my extra to you. Lord, where am I experiencing a need in my life, and where may I be experiencing abundance? God, what do you have to say to me about my need? And what do you have to say to me about my abundance?
Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We rejoice in the Lord our God, our great provider and protector. We bring our request before you in the confidence that you know them fully. And as our Abba Father, you delight in communion with your children. In the midst of eternity, you are ever present in our time of need. Lord, we recognize how all creation relies on you, like the birds of the air who do not hoard up with fear, like the flowers of the field who do not toil but trust in you. We long to be free of the anxiety that is so potent in the world. We ask for you to fulfill the needs of today. May we find contentment in your daily provision and release the worries of tomorrow. Help us to reject greed and envy, using every blessing as an opportunity to be your hands and feet. May we as your church be the instrument of your provision, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, caring for your children. Thank you for the peace and rest we receive from your divine providence. Amen. So now we're going to move into a communion time. Um, and I also wanted to share to you that we will have prayer people along the sides. So please, if you feel the need for prayer, find somebody that you feel comfortable with or find somebody along the edges to pray for you. We would love to do that for you today. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna invite Tori up to lead us in communion today. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Uh, and I, I do want to, looks like the band's already coming. Um, if you're a prayer minister today, I invite you to go ahead and to step into place as well. Let's just take a minute. One thing that I was thinking about while um, Rachel was, was preaching and um, the exercises that she was inviting us into of, of reflection was just the imagination that my three-year-old has. Um, and that there is there's a vividness to when she plays and when she puts her, her mind someplace else and tries something on. And so as we move through this Eucharist liturgy, I just want to invite you further into that same practice. I invite you to place yourself at the meal with Jesus. Imagine that you are at Jesus's table, sharing together with a group of people here in this room the body of Christ and throughout world and the world and across time. We are here because Jesus extends to us an invitation. Strangers and friends, believers and doubters, the certain and the curious. It is always in mixed company that Jesus gathers and invites us to the table where in bread and cup he meets us and through him, we who are different are joined together in one body. 
come not because you understand, but because you are understood. Come not because of how you feel, but because God has food for you. Come not because you feel deserving, but because Jesus invites you, welcomes you, just as you are. Scripture invites us to examine ourselves before coming to the table, and so I invite you to join us in the song of confession and reflection. Amen. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As we share in this story, place yourself at Jesus' table. Notice the body that Jesus is forming among us. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, poured out for you and for the forgiveness of your sins. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, do so in remembrance of me. And as you do, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Send now your spirit among us. Come with us, come with your presence in this bread and in this cup that we may come forward and present ourselves to you as living sacrifices. We may taste and see your goodness, be united in your love and become one body, your hands and your feet in this world. Friends, I invite you to come forward and to participate in this meal to take the bread and dip it in the cup as Jesus, uh, as Jesus modeled for us. The bread and the cup, they are gluten-free. Um, if you need to, um, would prefer an individual portion, just indicate so when you get to the table. Bless you. <laughs> 